Sacrifices were great symbols for the children of Israel, that God was the source of life. And we have the same reminder in the form of Jesus. Today, Pastor Daniel will show us where God put the focus as he gave each offering. Whether it was about holiness, atonement, or repentance, everything is brought together in Jesus. The restoration to the Father is the culmination of sacrifice. Then comes healing and growth. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Sacrifice Recap. Jesus is thank God every day that I'm not trying to preach my way into heaven. That'd be a nightmare for me, for any pastor. You know what I mean? You're not trying to serve your way into heaven. You're getting to heaven. You're in God's family because of your faith in Jesus. And it has nothing to do with what you do or don't do for him. It's all about what he has done for us. And because of what he has done for us, we respond to his finished work and we get our, we roll up our sleeves and we do all sorts of things. But none of it is to get us saved. None of it is salvific. And so the priests wore linen. God didn't want his people to be sweating, sweating to the oldies, so to speak, you know, and the whole thing. He wanted them to be calm and relaxed. Because it's important. God didn't want the people to think that serving God was a burden. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. So when it was time to go take the ashes out, they changed their clothes. Their priestly garments went off, and they were just so to speak, taking out the trash. So very, very fascinating. And so the focus for us is these few things for the priests. Very simple, pretty elegant. We need to make sure we keep the fire burning in our heart. That fire should burn perpetually. Now as we move to verse 14, we move into the grain offering as it exists for the priests. This is the law of the grain offerings. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord, he shall take from it his handful of fine flour of the grain offering, verse 15, with its oil and all the frankincense which is on the grain offering. He shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of it, Aaron and his son shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a, in a holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire, it is most holy, like the sin offering and the trespass offering. Verse 18, all the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be holy. Verse 19, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is the offering of Aaron and his sons which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning on the day when he is anointed, one-tenth 
of an ephah of fine flour as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it at night. It shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. A baked, the baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. The priest from among his sons who is anointed in his place shall offer it is a statute forever to the Lord. It shall be wholly burned. For every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. Now, we dealt with much of this in Leviticus chapter 2, the idea of the grain offering. Now, first, I want you to notice from verses 14 to 18, it's how are the priests meant to offer the grain offering that someone else brings. So someone else is the worshiper bringing the grain, and this is what they're supposed to, to do with it. Notice, they take a handful of it, right, with its oil and its frankincense, and they shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma. Now, remember, we've been talking about this, and we're going to see this. The Apostle Paul is going to take the same phrase, the sweet aroma to the Lord. He's going to use it in Ephesians chapter 5, which we're going to hit on Sunday. But when we talk about it, the idea that it's something that's well-pleasing, so oftentimes pastors will make jokes like, the Lord loves a good barbecue, you know, because it says, about, oh, it's a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. The idea is that it's something that is well-pleasing to God, okay? And so, so the idea is that out of this grain offering that's coming, they take a handful with the oil and the frankincense, so not if, has anyone here ever baked bread? I worked at a bakery for, for a number of years, and it's interesting when you would take oil and put it in bread, it would make the, the texture a little bit more silky, very, very nice. The idea with frankincense, it gives it, it gives it some flavor and a scent to it. And so you can imagine when they take this handful of grain with a little oil and frankincense, they stick it on the fire, it's going to smell really nice, right? So the first handful they offer, but then notice with whatever is left over, verse 16, the remainder of it, Aaron and his sons shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it. As their portion of my offerings made by fire, it is most holy like the offering, like the sin offering and the trespass offering. Now notice that. So whatever isn't offered, out of the amount that's offered, a handful is actually burned and the rest of it is baked and the priests and their sons are allowed to eat it but not allowed to take it anywhere. It has to be eaten within the vicinity of the tabernacle, the court of the tabernacle, or eventually the temple, which Remember, the temple in Solomon's time is going to become the, the permanent structure. The tabernacle was a portable structure until the temple. So a certain amount of the grain offering was offered to the Lord, and the rest of it was used to feed the priests. And so, you know, I can make great jokes about the need to feed the pastor and all that stuff, but we'll just pass on that for right now. You guys do a good job of that anyway. Someone, I got cannolis dropped off at my office today, so praise God. And Twinkies on Sunday, so... God, help my diet. <laughs> and I just ate them with thanksgiving. I said, Lord, bless these Twinkies to my body. Praise you, God. But hey, there's biblical mandate for such things. So praise God. But you got to realize that God wanted to take care of the priests as well. But notice, they needed to be reverent with what they were eating. Again, there's the prohibition against leaven. Why? Because God doesn't like yeast. God doesn't like Wonder Bread. No. Yeast is a picture. Leaven is a picture of sin. It always is. Why? Because leaven or yeast corrupts by puffing up. That's what it does. And you can, if you look into the, um, the way yeast actually works, it literally eats 
the gluten in wheat. That's what it does. And that's why it puffs up. It literally corrupts it from the inside. It literally goes and eats away at it. And because of it, it rises. So that's exactly what sin is, isn't it? Sin both eats away at us on the inside, and it also corrupts us by what? By puffing us up. Because you can look at pretty much every single sin that a person commits, and its root is almost always pride. Why is the root always pride? Because remember what the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And in some ways, once you break that commandment, everything else follows. The reason we sin is because just like the serpent told Adam and Eve in the garden, if you eat it, you'll be like God. And the thing is that they didn't become like God, they just thought that they were. And when you and I rebel against God, it's because we think we know better than God. Our ways are better. Our desires are more important. So when you break the first commandment, having no other, that's why you'll steal. That's why you won't honor your parents. That's why you won't trust God that if you take a day off, that he's going to provide for all of your needs. That's why you're going to covet your neighbor's stuff or their wife. That's why you're going to murder, because you believe that what you need and want is more important than who God is. It's always pride at the root of it, thinking that we know better than God. And would to God that you and I would be the kind of people who say, Lord, these are things that I want, but I'm going to obey you because you're God, and I realize that I have a lot to learn in life. Pride always gets in the way, doesn't it? Because we always think, I got it better than God. I know better. Yeah, I know God's word says it, but I got a plan. I got things I'm doing. God doesn't get what's going on. You know, he does. Believe me, he does. And he knows better. I always say the reason God prohibits things is God loves us too much to want to see us get hurt. Like a good parent. Any of you who've raised children, you know what that's like, right? You see your kids, and you love them so much, you don't want them to hurt themselves. I always use the example of my son Obadiah. I love him. He's crazy, though. He's a little boy. I, I'm taking him to school this morning. He's got dirt all over his legs. It's 8 o'clock. Just like a little dirty dude, you know? I'm like, dude, why are you so dirty? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, you, take, you took a shower last night. You used soap? Nope, just water. That's my boy. You know, you can pray for us. Pray for him. You know, I'm like, dude, you're dirty. You're nasty. He's like, yeah, I know. It's fun. Dad. Well, anyway, when Obadiah, so Obadiah's like five and Maranatha's like two. And we're at the playground. I'm on the phone with Lynn because she's not there. I'm on the phone with her. And I see Obadiah. He's walking up the big slide with a big wheel in his hand, you know, and Maranatha's already up on top of the slide waiting for him. So I'm on the phone with Lynn. She's like, what are they doing? I'm like, well, I'm like, you probably don't want to know right now. And then she hears me yell, Obadiah, you can't send your sister down the big slide on the big wheel without a helmet. Because I'm a safe parent, right? And then Lynn's like, wait, if she has a helmet on, will you let her go down? I'm like, no, no. But it's like, I love my kids. I love them too much. I don't want my son to send my daughter down the big slide on a big wheel. Because I know what happens when that happens. Because I tried that when I was a kid. Right? You're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, Pastor. Yeah, I get why you're here the way that you are. This little head trauma along the way makes total sense. See, I love my kids. I don't, I don't want to, like, bum their mellow. I don't want to, like, make their, their time not that much fun. I just love them so much. I just don't want them to get hurt. They can have a lot of fun as long as nobody gets hurt, right? And that's the way the Lord is. See, the Lord is not, like, the big cosmic buzzkill, like the Debbie Downer. Everybody go, oh, it's going to be so much fun except for the Lord. You know, it's ruining everything. No, he loves you so much. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. I know it's amazing for those of us who've gone down roads of rebellion, we realize that God was right at some point, right? 
you realize that, yeah, everything that God said, he's right because it seemed fun and it was fun for a season until it hurt, until it broke my heart, until it ruined people and relationships. But you didn't know it beforehand. If you would have just listened and obeyed, you wouldn't have had to find out. I remember growing up, and, and I got to keep moving, but I had a friend, and, and he was a great baseball player, man. When, when we were uh, juniors, we were playing varsity baseball. He was like 9-0. and 0. He gave up like five hits the whole year. And this dude had it going on. He was really good. But we started partying. We were, we were wild. We didn't know the Lord. We were going crazy. And I never forget, he got a scholarship to college. He got drafted after a second year of college. And instead of training all summer, he partied all summer. And sure enough, he went to training camp, he blew out his elbow. Blew out his elbow. Came totally out of shape. I saw him just recently. I'm like, how you doing, man? He's like, I still wish I could go back and re redo that, those years. What I gave up for what? And we talked, we had a nice long talk about it. I'm like, well, God wants, God's got something else for you now. He's like, do you believe that? I'm like, yeah, I do. I believe God's in the, in the reclamation project plan. I'm one of them. But you know, if he, if he can go back and redo those years, how different would it be knowing what he knows now? Was it really worth it? No. You know, now he, now he plays competitive softball. And there's nothing wrong with softball, but I always say, I'm like, man, competitive softball, how's it going? He's like, well, it ain't what I could be doing right now. I'm like, yeah. See, God loves you so much, he doesn't want you to hurt yourself. God doesn't want you to hurt yourself, so don't hurt yourself. Listen to him. Trust him. God wanted, God wanted his priests to be taken care of, but he needed, they needed to do it the right way. So God didn't want them all over the place. And so sin, it puffs up, corrupts by puffing up from the inside. We have to be aware of the state of our hearts. Now, not only that, in verse 19 to 23, we get that the priest, the high priest, was required to present God a daily grain offering for himself and the priests. That's what verses 19 and following is about, is that every single day God needed to give an offering for the priests themselves. So it's interesting, you can imagine they're bringing all these grain offerings, and the priests are eating some of it, but they're keeping some of it so that every day they can give God an offering for themselves. So God had the priests still aware, even though they were the priestly class, needed to have an awareness to the Lord that, hey, even though I'm a priest, you're still my source, not my priesthood. Because remember the grain, when we talked about the grain offering, we said that in that culture, grains was a staple food. So they would bring the grain offering, and Pastor Jack, when he taught on, on the reality that the sacrifices were, were there to remind people that these things are not our source, but God is our source. And it was important for the priests to remember that just because they were priests didn't mean that they weren't sinners in need of a savior. So even the priests had to bring offerings to the Lord to be reminded over and over again that God is their source, not their priesthood. Now, verse 24, also the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and to his son saying, this is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it in a holy place. It shall be eaten in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 27, everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. 
And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests may eat of it. It is most holy. But no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. Now, we looked at this, Leviticus chapter 4. There's almost no new information here. But what is unique about this is the focus now is on the holiness of the offering. You notice how over and over again for the sin offering, it is holy. It is most holy. So when, when the Holy Spirit is redundant, it's because the Holy Spirit really wants us to grab a hold of the holiness. So the sin offering, again, remember when somebody sins, they're saying, look, I have failed. I have missed the mark unintentionally, and I realize it. And so I'm coming to make appeasement, atonement. Think of that word that you get at the end of this section, at one mint. It means to bring back together that which was severed. That is what God does. And all of these sacrifices in some way were a type and shadow of the ultimate bringing together, which is in Jesus Christ. God wants to take broken relationships and restore them. And I always say that the broken relationships that God is restoring first is our relationship with God, which is broken because of our rebellion. Then because of the brokenness in our rebellion, First, God restores our relationship with him. Then he restores our relationship with ourselves. Because we have a rebellion issue, we don't even understand how to navigate our own selves. And so because God writes our relationship with him, then he writes our own understanding of ourselves. And then from there, it flows. Then God starts to heal our relationships with other people. Because it begins vertically, and we are the pivot point, and then it hits horizontal. That's why when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandments were, what did he say? Love God with the totality of who you are, and then love your neighbor, what? As yourself. God knows that if we love him with the totality of who we are, we're going to love ourselves properly, and then we should love other people with the same love that we have for ourselves. Does that make sense? So God wants to bring at one what has been broken, our relationship with him, our relationship with ourselves, and then our relationship with other people. And God's healing and reconciliation happens on those three levels. And then, of course, it extends to all of God's creation. Because God is bringing back together what was shattered by rebellion. And you know what the beauty about this is, brothers and sisters? It doesn't matter what you've done. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've cursed God with your words, with your actions, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he will fix that. He's willing to take on himself no matter what we've done. I know it's amazing. Because God's willing to forgive us, he also gives us the grace to forgive ourselves. So many people, they know that they've been forgiven by God, but they struggle to forgive themselves for their mistakes. But what's amazing is if you struggle with forgiving yourself for your failings, bring it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I've struggled. Do you know what the Lord's going to say? If I've forgiven you, who are you to remember it anymore? Talk about pride, not forgiving yourself. You're saying that you know better than God. You're saying, yeah, God might be able to forgive me. I can't forgive myself. Well, then you're pretending like you're God, which we know is wrong. So God deals with all these things. And because God has forgiven us so great a debt, he gives us the grace to forgive ourselves, and then we can forgive anybody for anything. Because the amount that God has forgiven us by degree is so much greater than the amount we need to forgive any person, no matter how horrendous they are. So that's what atonement is all about, and that's what the sin offering 
is all about, bringing back together what was lost because of rebellion. Now, chapter 7, verse 1, likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the trespass offering. In its blood, he shall sprinkle all around on the altar, and he shall offer from it all its fat, the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver. Above the kidneys, he shall remove, and the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male amongst the priests may eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The trespass offering, verse 7, is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. Also every grain offering that is baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan shall be the priest who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. Now, we covered a lot of that last week, didn't we? When we, when we were looking at the trespass offering in Leviticus chapter 5. Now again, it's much like the sin offering. It's most holy. Again, we go through all the different things with the fatty tail and all these different parts. Again, God provides for the sustenance of Aaron and his sons from the meat that's left over from the trespass offering. And notice, the priest gets to keep the skin. So you can use it for blanket or clothing or whatever. So God, in the midst of all of these offerings, God is also providing for the priests so that they do not have to worry about these things so that they can go about doing the business that God has called them to do. Now, in verse 11, we move to the peace offering, which we saw in Leviticus chapter 3. Look at what it says. It says, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flowers mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, verse 13, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it, he shall offer one cake from one, each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. Verse 15, the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder of it all may be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. Jesus is real. If you're like me, you forget things all the time. Well, here's Pastor Daniel with something that will help you remember. 
Hey everyone, Pastor Daniel here. I don't know about you, but life is busy and it's so easy to forget things. Now, thankfully, I have a couple of wonderful ladies in my life that join me in helping to accomplish all that God has called me to. Of course, I think of my beautiful bride, Lynn. She keeps me on track in so many ways. And then of course, there's my ministry assistant, Margaret, here at Crossroads. She helps me to make sure that my schedule in the ministry is running smoothly. Now, I love how God uses these ladies and so many other people to help remind me of what's important. One of the easiest things to forget isn't daily things like the schedule. It's actually the most important thing. It's the fact that God is real and he is in heaven and he is with me all the time, wherever I go. It may sound silly, but I started wearing a bracelet that says real on it. This bracelet is a constant reminder to me that Jesus is real and that God's grace is real and his mercy and his love has been poured out into my life. And I wanna make this bracelet available to you as well. Here's Josh with some information about how you can get your very own real bracelet. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. To receive your very own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. These handcrafted leather bracelets are available to anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio through the month of January with a gift of $20 or more. Again, to receive your very own real bracelet, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Again, that's JesusIsRealRadio.com. Please join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.